For the past seven weeks in this service, we've been telling stories, bearing testimony to God's work here in our midst, um, here in this church. But these haven't just been testimonies of people coming to faith or testimonies of mission trips. These have been testimonies of ordinary things and then some unexpected things that happen in our lives. And we want to, by doing this kind of storyteller series, what we're trying to do is reframe your understanding. We want you to see that testimonies are about telling of God's work in our midst in ordinary ways and in big ways. So we want to be a church that people share stories, that they tell what God is up to in their lives. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to build with this series. Today's story comes from a young man who took a step of faith. Um, Colby Pate is a freshman in college. He grew up at this church, but this is his story of deciding to follow Jesus, but also deciding to follow Jesus into something that's very uncomfortable for most of us, which is following him into leadership and how God used leadership to change him, to transform him, and to grow him. So Colby, I'm going to invite you on up, and then I'm going to pray for you. Um, And if you all would join me in prayer for Colby. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, this young man. I thank you for um, his testimony, for what you've done in his life. And so, Lord, as uh, he speaks, I pray you would fill his mouth, calm his nerves, speak through him to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. All right. So, obviously, um, I'm Colby. I'm 18 years old. And really, tonight, I'm going to be focusing on the internship because I feel that that's really the most important thing that's happened in my life so far. Um, I'm going to split it up into three parts before the internship, during the internship, and then after the internship. But before I get into that, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. Um, came to this church, either 7th or 8th grade, but before that I was at a Lutheran church called Good Shepherd Lutheran over in Argyle. Um, And over there, it was overall a really old church. Most of the congregation was older than my parents at the time. And really the only people there for the youth group was me, my brother, and the pastor's daughter. So with that, when I came to like 7th or 8th grade, which is when we came here, um, my parents felt it was time to move to where I had a better youth overall, because I did the pioneers and everything over there. We went camping, but it was only the three of us and then parents, which isn't very conducive to uh, a good youth program. So when we came here, um, this is the pre-internship portion now, moving into the story. Uh, When we came here, I got involved with the youth group. It's when Paul Morales was still here. And I did everything. I did Soul in the City. I did youth group. I did Hanging In over the summer. And all the, I did Rock the Universe, Night of Joy, all that. And I was involved within church, but I wasn't really connected, which I think is a big distinction. Um, So came to church. I did all that stuff, but I didn't really feel anything. I think I was just going because that's what my parents wanted for one. And it was really just a cool place to hang out with my new friends because there was actually youth people there now. Um, So I was going and then I started doing sound in the back actually. 
And so I'd sit up there, but I'd sit up on the back of my phone. I wouldn't really pay attention during church. I would just come because my parents wanted me to. I had to work. So it was more like a job that I had to do to come to church than it was me coming to church to get to know God and all that. So uh, I did that up until about my sophomore year of high school, and that's when things started to really dip. Um, Went through, but it got to the point where every other youth group, every couple youth groups, you know, I'd have too much homework, or something would be stopping me from coming to where I just, I couldn't make it really. I could have made it, but I didn't really want to come. So I kept doing that over the summer. I didn't do anything over the summer except Soul in the City, no hanging in, none of the youth groups that were offered over the summer. And really, my junior year of high school, I pretty much stopped coming. Uh, I got a job, and my excuse was, oh, I have, I have work and school through the week. I have to do all my homework over the weekend. I can't make it Sunday, because obviously, I left it until Sunday night. Not the best idea, but... Um, So I kept doing that, and then it got to the point where I was still a Christian, but I wasn't really a a Christian. I was just saying I was to save face with my parents, uh, because that's what they had wanted. They're Christians. I was raised in a Christian home, but at that point, I really felt disconnected from God. Um, I started doing a lot of stuff that I wasn't supposed, I shouldn't have done, um, smoking, drinking, prescription pills, all that, and it really, I put a wedge between myself and God, and really my parents too. Um, looking back on it now, I can tell that it was my personal choice to not want to be a Christian, but still say I was just to, again, save face with my parents. That's what they wanted for me. Because I can't tell them, oh yeah, mom, I don't believe in God anymore. I don't even know what would happen, but it would have been bad. So with that, I kept coming, but I was just coming to come, and that's about it. Again, my parents wanted me to. Uh, I can honestly say the summer between my junior and senior year was the worst summer of my life. Uh, I had fun while I was doing it. Obviously, that's how most of these kind of things are. But looking back now, again, it was terrible. Nothing, everything was bad. I was out all night, um, still checked in with my parents, but that's about it. I was asleep when they were home, and then I'd go out at night, and it was just a bad time overall. Um, so my senior year, I start, still, in the same, still doing the same stuff, still smoking, still drinking, doing all that, and out of nowhere, I start getting texts from Chris. It says, hey, come to youth group. Come on. It's awesome. I'm like, mm, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, so that summer, oh, backtrack a little bit. So the summer between junior and senior year, I did Soul in the City, and through all the Soul in the Cities, I really felt, a lot of people say they're on fire for Christ, but with that, I think I was more kindled for Christ, if that makes sense, right? Because a fire, if you're on fire for Christ, it's pretty hard to put out, but I was kindled, so it's just like a little bit, but then after a week, two weeks, a month, it'd be put out again, and I'd go back to doing the exact same stuff I'm doing. So going back, senior year, I started getting texts from Chris about coming to youth group, but I was just, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. Youth, groups, youth group kind of sucks now. All my friends are gone. Chris doesn't come. 
Brandon Tebow doesn't come, Nick Kellogg's gone, and it was just bad. So um, I kept getting the text every week, come to youth group, come to youth group, it's awesome. I'd never got, I've never gotten these texts before, but about halfway through my senior year, I start getting them out of nowhere. So they keep coming, they keep coming, and eventually I'm like, mm, let me text Chris. So I text him about meeting, and we meet at Moe's. The first meeting we had, well, we started setting up meetings like every week, and we'd go through the Bible and stuff. I'm trying to start getting back into it. First meeting we had, he says, hey, why don't you sign up for this internship? I really feel like it's the best thing for you. I think you're a perfect fit. So I go home that night, and the first thing I do when I get home is I print out the internship application thing, and I fill it out that night. I fill out the small essay portion, all that stuff, and then the next morning, I um, ride my bike up to the church and drop it off. I get up here like at 10, I drop it off, and then I go, I ride my bike back home, and it finally hit me like, maybe I want to come back to church again. So after I started meeting with Chris, I end up getting the internship, and this is where we transition into the second part, the leadership part, that really changed me during the internship. Um, so at the start of the internship, right, I figured, oh, cool, I'll get a lot of hours, it'll be fun, Nick's doing it, the people I like are actually doing it. Um, first couple days, we put up all the wood in the, like that wooden backdrop in the barn, and I was there for the entire time it took us to do it, however, like the two or three days it took us to do it. And I was like, wow, if this is how the internship is gonna be, I'm never gonna be home. This kind of sucks. <laughs> but as time went on, it ended up, I was at the church more than I was at my house, but I loved every second of it. It was awesome, I loved being here, um, not just because I got to, again, hang out with my friends, but I really felt connected and almost like I had a purpose. That's kind of cliche, but um, that I had a reason for being here other than just coming in and sitting through church because that's what my parents want. Um, so through the internship, it's awesome. Hanging in's awesome. Youth groups are awesome. And then Soul in the City comes. Um, first, few days are awesome. first few days are great. I was with Cody from Beloved Worship, and we went to... I can't think of the apartments. The ones in front of Egg Roll King on Blanding. Um, I blanked on the name. But we're there, and I had a group of probably 10 to 15. And then Rob's group, the labor group, was also over there, but they were putting in flooring. And we didn't have very many kids all week. I think the most we ever had at one time was three or four. But every day... Um, this lady named Miss Zulika and her daughter Titi would come out and they would stay there the entire time because they didn't really have anything else to do. And we would just talk, um, the kids would take Titi, the little daughter, and then me and Cody would stay and talk to Miss Zulika. And she just kept telling us how thankful she was that she would come out, that we were coming out here to play with the kids and everything. And really that they, everyone in the apartment complex, even if they don't come out, appreciates what we're doing because we have... Rob was putting in flooring or something, and we were over there playing with kids. Um, and really, actually, instead of just going and 
being a student for Soul in the City, like actually going and being able to talk to the parents and things, uh, really changed my outlook. Because the past years I had done it, I was either in like a food, like a food pantry group or a labor group. And I get that it was good to be there, but it really didn't hit until I was in that leadership position that the parents were telling us, this is awesome, I'm so glad you guys are doing this, that it really struck home, like, wow, we're actually doing stuff. We're not just going out here to, for community service hours, which is pretty much what I thought of it as all the other times. Um, so, Wednesday comes around, Wednesday or Thursday, whatever the big night is, and that's the big worship night when everyone has their moment, but uh, there's kids there, beloved worship is just playing, and my brother comes up to me and says, Colby, I need to talk to you. I go, okay, what's up? So we go outside, and we sit in front of the dumpster, right? And he just goes, uh, Colby, save me. And I was like, what? He goes, save me. You've done, you're a leader. You've done this before, right? I said, uh, no, I'm about as clueless as you are, but I can help. And so um, he's, we start talking, which is weird because honestly, we're brothers. We're fine. We have a brother relationship, but he's five years younger than I am. And we just never really talk. Like We never just sit down and like, I don't know how normal siblings would. We were always pretty distant, even though we lived in the same house. So it was weird, but he's like, you're a leader, you've done this before. So I start talking through, and he's like, well, how did you get saved? I'm like, I, I don't know. I think I'm still getting saved right now. <laughs> so the fact that I got to talk to the parents and people were looking up to me, even if it was Caleb, but... I could tell, like, interacting with parents during Soul in the City at the work sites and everything, um, it just put everything into perspective. We're, letting, we're facilitating the growth of Christ in these kids, <clears throat> in these kids, and we're actually making a difference. Even if it's for a week, two weeks, a month after Soul in the City, eventually some of them are going to turn around and then come to Christ in full. And that really struck home as I had never seen it that way before. Again, I thought it was awesome community service hours. I get out of the house for a week. Um, so with that, Soul in the City ends. Me and my brother are more talking, I guess. I don't know. Um, and it's just awesome. Everything's awesome. More kids are coming to youth group. More kids are coming to hanging in, all that. Everyone's wanting to go back to Seoul in the city because it, it was a really great week. And this is where I transfer into the third part after the internship. So the summer ends, and it's great. I'm, I am rocking it. I am, on fi- I am literally on fire this time. I am doing great. Um, quiet time is awesome. Reading the Bible, doing everything I should. But summer ends, last youth group ends, and then we go on kind of a break. And during that break, it probably wasn't even a month, if that, um, I could already feel myself growing apart from God. Um, And I realized 
I was so on fire for Christ during the summer because I was constantly at the church. I was constantly surrounded by like-minded people. Um, everyone was, was like, yeah, go, go, go. Christ is awesome. And then getting out of that environment every day for five or six days a week, most of the time I'm at the church. Going from that to just being home and coming to church on Sundays was a big shock. Um, I didn't realize it at the time that the community had such a big impact on my personal walk that without it, it was so easy to fall back. Um, So really, um, the community was the biggest, well, let me rephrase that. The summer was awesome. The youth group was awesome. Even if they were students, um, they were still my community of Christ. Sundays were cool. That was a community, but it wasn't as intimate and it wasn't as personal as the relationships we made over the summer with the students, with the other interns, with the, leader, with the other leaders and everything. It was very different from going um, full throttle all summer to once a week. And that's really it. The community is the biggest portion, the biggest factor, I think, in my personal walk with Christ, and the internship was what facilitated that. That's it. Well, there was lots of really rich themes in there. Um, connectedness. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, we know John um, 15 and talking about connectedness to the vine, connectedness to Christ. But it also means connectedness to his community, to his bride. And that's why, um, you know, be- coming and being with the people of God, fellowship with the people of God is so important. But what I want to really focus in on is how leadership and being in a leadership position, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but it actually causes you to grow. And, and Colby is, is a great example of that, his story of being placed in a position where he was like, man, I have to grow. How am I going to lead these kids? How am I going to lead my brother if I'm not connected to Christ? And so I want to uh, look at this by looking at um, a story of a group of, of unlikely leaders. If you have your Bibles, flip them over to Matthew 4. Matthew four eighteen through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. I don't know about you guys, but I've always loved this story. It's this beautiful account of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew. And it reminds me of Jesus' call to us to come, to be near to him, to follow him, to walk with him. But it's only actually been the past few years that I've noticed that there's a little bit more in this verse than just that. I've never realized this before, but he's actually calling them to lead with him. He says, follow me, 
And then he says, and I will make you fisher of men. Did you see that? He not only calls them, but he also commissions them into ministry, into the calling of other people to follow Jesus. And the same goes for us. This is kind of the big point of the night, is that Jesus calls us, but he also commissions each of us. And oftentimes, we're totally comfortable with the idea of Jesus' calling to follow him. Yes, let's follow. But then we get really uneasy about the idea of the commissioning part, leading. I don't know about you guys. That's uncomfortable. But the reality is, if you're called to Christ, then you're also commissioned to lead with Christ. And so right now, my question for you guys is, is God calling you to lead something? Or are you in the middle of leading something and you're just struggling? You're saying, hey, I've been leading this thing, but I'm tired, I'm worn out. What do I do? And you might be asking at this point, if you've never led something or you've led something in the past and it was a bad experience and you're like never going to do that again, or you're in the middle of something right now and you're saying, oh no, not a teaching on leadership. Why would I want to lead? Well, here's what I want to point out a few things to us. Because why should we take this vulnerable step of leadership? I mean, I I actually remember um, I was uh, part of, Chris got some of the leaders together and and we were going through this whole um, going through the applications for the internship, and we saw Colby's. And that's a really, really difficult thing to do, to put your name forward for a leadership thing. And we read his story, and we're like, we want this one. This one's, this one, this is, this, God is going to use this guy. Um, and so why? Why would we want to take that vulnerable step of leadership? First off is this. If you lead with Christ, you will see your need for Christ. If you lead with Christ, you'll see your need for Christ. If you've ever led something, especially on behalf of God, you quickly figure out, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? Like, and I I hope this is a comfort to you guys, but you know how many times I've ever felt ready and prepared to lead something when I first stepped out in faith? Never. I've never felt comfortable and ready and you guys are probably saying, why did we hire this guy? <laughs> what the heck? Um, and you think Peter and Andrew felt ready to lead the church when Jesus ascended? Heck no. But it's when we lead that we start to turn to Jesus and say, I need your help. God, help me. I don't know what to do. How, what do I say? Show me what, how to love my kids. Show me how to pray with my kids. Because if you're in the middle of leading something right now, You guys, if you're in the middle of leading something and you're struggling, turn to God. Ask him for help. I had this profound moment the other day where I was just worn down. My body was worn down. My mind was worn down. And I was like, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you wearing me down? Why is life so busy? And he said to me, Dan, I think, I think, I mean, I didn't hear this audible voice or anything, but it came to my mind kind of out of nowhere. And he was like, I think the last couple weeks you've been trying to do it in your own strength. When we lead, we see our need for Christ. And we try to do it in our own strength. So if you're struggling right now, turn to him. Ask him for help. Just like a new parent all of a sudden starts calling their parents when they have a baby on their hands, Jesus says, hey, when you start to lead, that's when you realize how much you need me. The second thing I want to share with you guys is this. Leadership with Christ changes you. Colby's story is a perfect example of that. We learn far more and grow far more through leading than merely just following. 
Kobe said it wasn't until he helped lead Soul in the City that he actually helped figure out, okay, what works that are we going to, and then talking with the people there. And it wasn't until he started leading students that he really realized the power of Christianity and the power of the Soul in the City experience. And sometimes it's not until we lead a Bible study that we realize the power of the Word to transform people's lives. Sometimes it's not until we start praying with our kids that we realize the power of prayer. Sometimes it's not until we reach out to a non-Christian, one of our neighbors, somebody at work, that we realize God really does love the lost and he wants this person. So the first thing is that when you lead with Christ, you see your need for Christ. The second thing is leadership with Christ changes you. It changes you. And the last thing is leadership with Christ changes others. And this is the obvious one. But think about it. When you lead, if you step up and lead, it can actually alter people's entire lives. Imagine if Chris hadn't started texting Colby. Imagine if Chris hadn't sat down with him and said, hey, we're at Moe's. You should go into the internship. Imagine if Mike hadn't taken me out to lunch and introduced me to the idea of having a relationship with Jesus. Imagine if the person had introduced you to Christ when you were either a baby or when you were 40. Imagine if that person had come along and said, I'm going to take leadership in this person's life. Imagine if Peter and Andrew hadn't said, okay, Jesus, we'll follow you and we'll let you make us into fishers of men. So your leadership can actually alter people's lives. It can change people's lives. So the questions I I want to leave you with today is, do you want to see your need for Jesus? Do you want to grow? And do you want to change people's lives? Try leading. And for those of us in this room that have been leading for a while, and you're worn down, you're tired, I want to encourage you during this time of prayer, as we go to the table, turn to him, ask for strength, ask for his strength. Show him, Jesus, I'm needy, I'm failing, I need your help. So Jesus invites you today, come follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pause and thank you. I want to thank you for Colby's story. Lord, I want to thank you for um, calling him to yourself and then for his faithfulness to even answer your call to lead. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to strengthen him and his faith um, these coming months. Lord, I also pray for the youth as they meet over in the barn this day. Lord, that you would kindle in them a fire. And finally, Lord, I pray for each of us in this room. Those who are scared to lead but might just take a step of faith, I pray that you would show them that you will be with them. And for those of us that have been leading for a while and are tired and worn out, I pray you would come, you would strengthen us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's turn to the Lord um, by praying together the Lord's Prayer. You can kneel if you'd like to.